The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. I want to get into the Word, and it's, it's exciting every time we do come together and get into the Word. And the excitement to me is in knowing what the Word of God brings, right? I mean, it's the power of God to save who all will believe. That's, that's what the Scripture declares. And so when you come together and you know that this is, has got an authority behind it, it's not just, you know, an academic exercise to increase our Bible IQ, but rather there's something at work, something that is powerful, something that transcends things like habits and, 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 you know, learned behaviors, and it can bring about change and transformation in good and healthy ways, that's really exciting to me. Uh, so as we do get into the Word, that excitement stirs in me, and I hope it does in you too. There's a few things we're going to find. I always encourage note-taking if you're able to. Uh, it's just a good way to, to, you know, engage with what's being received and record it, and then also revisit it in your own time, because we'll come together and we'll hear something collectively, but I assure you, if it's revisited in your own time, It'll have a very unique and specific meaning to you as well. Uh, so as we get into the word here, here's a few things we're going to find. One, we're going to find out uh, what we need to examine. There's something that needs to be examined. And the scripture is really clear about this. This is a really interesting thing because uh, I think it can be a little misunderstood, especially in church communities, and, and I think it's good for us to have a right understanding of it in order to uh, get the benefits of, of seeing it come to pass. Another thing that we're going to find is how things need to end. How things need to end. I mean, you can apply that to anything. It's pretty vague, it's pretty open-ended, and it's actually meant to be because no matter what, you are always dealing with things. I mean, there are challenges, issues, they can even be problems, they can be good things, and they all come to a conclusion at some point, and there needs to be a way that things end the things that we're involved in. Uh, we're gonna find out how things need to end. And then a third thing that we're going to find is the result of passing what the Bible refers to as a test. It has a wonderful effect. In fact, when you know what that effect is, it can inspire uh, you to, to continue moving forward rather than give up on occasion. Anytime that there is a test or any kind of testing, it's always a trial and, and uh, there's the, uh, the need to push through on those things. So knowing what's at the end, knowing the reward that comes can be a real encouragement. Uh, so I mentioned before we're going to find what needs to be examined. I want to start with that. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can go to 2 Corinthians. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. 2 Corinthians 13, 5, it's, it reads like this. Test yourself to see if you're in the faith. Examine yourselves. Now, I don't know what version of the scripture you're reading, but mine ends with an exclamation point which means like this is being said with some real zip, right? There's enthusiasm behind it. It's not just something that's being suggested casually, but there's a tremendous amount of confidence behind this statement, this call to test yourselves. Now, I, I think this passage of Scripture is really interesting. It goes on to say a couple of things that I think are really worth noting. The challenge is we really don't talk like this. And so anytime you read something and it's not really the way that we speak, you have to ask yourself, what does that mean? And you might have to do a little loose interpretation. So here's, here's where I'm going with that. I'll reread the, uh, the beginning here. Test yourself to see if you're in the faith. Examine yourself. Or do you not recognize this about yourself, that Jesus is in you, unless indeed you fail the test? 
Now, that's the part that I'm saying we don't really talk like that. I mean, I think a better way to say this is to say, hey, listen, you're going to pass this test as long as Jesus is in you. We don't really speak in the negative like that, right? I mean, it's just the kind of thing that we are inclined to do. I mean, there are things that we see, there are ways that we think, and then there's ways that other languages and other cultures speak and think, and this just happens to be a little bit of a contradiction. So when we take a look at it and we evaluate it rightly and we apply it, it makes perfect sense. The call is for us to test ourselves, to see that we're in the faith, we're to examine ourselves. And as long as Jesus is in us and operating in us, this test will be no problem at all. That's really what's being said here. And I think it's an interesting thing to consider. Now, I told you before, this is something that we need to get right, and I think church communities can get this kind of wrong, right? I mean, just consider the way the verse opens. Test yourself. Don't test your neighbor. Test yourself. Yeah, there you go. I mean, that's worth thinking about. In a lot of church communities, we're constantly evaluating the, the person next to us, or, you know, we're looking at, at what we can see externally and that's really the easy way it's a very lazy way to conduct yourself because that's just kind of the the low road it's actually harder to see yourself and I can just tell you this can be a real challenge sometimes and I think it's really the kind of thing that you might need to just take and even get God involved father I want to examine myself and I'd like to make sure that I do it right I will lie to myself about myself all the time and most people do Have you ever taken like a personality test? You ever done one of those? Let me tell you something. If I take a personality test, I am a hero. I'm always on time. I'm organized. I'm the man. I'm I'm generous. I'm kind. Now, if you really wanted to know my personality, what you would do is you wouldn't have me take that test. You would have my wife take that test for me. And I would probably not be such a hero then. You know, you'd get a real assessment of my flaws and things like that, things that I will easily overlook because I don't want to deal with them. It's very unnatural to examine yourself. That's a hard thing to do. And I do think that it's important to take this into your prayer life. God, I want to examine myself, and I need your spirit to do that because I want to get it right. I don't want to grade myself on a curve. I want to examine, am I doing the things that are pleasing? Am I doing the things that are effective? Am I doing the things that are fruitful? Am I doing the things that I've been called and equipped and anointed to do? Or am I distracted right now? And I guarantee you, God will help in that examination. So what are we testing for? That's a good question, right? I mean, if the word just says examine yourself, what are you looking for? If you don't know what you're looking for, you're probably not going to have much luck with this examination, right? So we've got to know what we're looking for so that we can look for it. It's pretty simple. I want to offer this as a passage of scripture for you. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. It's what we prayed over the kids, right? This is known as the fruit of the Spirit. It means like what the Holy Spirit produces. If my call is to examine myself to see if I'm in the faith, if Jesus is in me and operating through me, then I think it's probably good to ask yourself, is the fruit of the Spirit of Jesus Christ being produced by my life? That's what I want to examine myself for. So here's that list from Galatians, Galatians 5. Uh, 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit, now keep in mind that's the Spirit of Jesus Christ, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the things I want to examine myself for. Are these the things that are being produced by my life? 
<clears throat> if I test myself, if I examine myself, will I find these things in abundance or will I find them lacking? So I want to go through this list, this list of fruits that we're meant to examine ourselves for. I want to offer just one passage of scripture for each one to help us examine ourselves to see where these things exist in through our lives. Let's start with love. We need to examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith. If Jesus is functioning in and through our life, his spirit will produce love. Let's check ourselves for love. I'll give you a passage of scripture here that I use for this, okay? So this is just a personal thing. I hope it translates. I'm confident that it will. If I want to know if there's love in my life, I check for something. I'll give you the passage of scripture, and then I'll explain why that's the passage that I use. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. Here's how it reads, okay? There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out all fear. When I'm checking my life for love, I look for the presence of fear. Is fear and anxiety got a grip on me? Is it affecting my choices and my decisions? Am I compromised because I'm making decisions out of fear? Am I compromised because I'm making decisions out of anxiety? And if fear is present, then love is not, because according to the scripture, love drives out fear casts it out. It's written in a very powerful way. It doesn't just say they don't mix. It's not like oil and water. It's that when love is introduced into a situation, it will purge fear from that situation. Drive it out. So when I start to test myself or examine myself for love, I'm not looking for warm and fuzzy. I'm looking for fear. Is there fear in my life right now? And if there is, then I need to see love increase. And the only way I'll see love increase is by the spirit of Jesus Christ being indulged in my choices and my decisions and my activities to see to it that the fruit that he produces will prevail, that fruit being love. Next one on the list, joy, right? Love and then joy. Joy is a wonderful thing, not to be confused with happiness, right? Happiness is very circumstantial. Give me an ice cream cone, I'm happy. Take it away, I'm sad. But joy is, is, is a permanent fixture in the life of the believer. In fact, when you start to look at joy in the scripture, you can see it's rooted in all kinds of gratitude and thanksgiving and wonderful things that really belong to those that have been so richly blessed by God. That's you and that's me. Joy is not circumstantial. It transcends circumstance. And I love the fact that I have access to joy in and through my life. In fact, it makes me crazy. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. I'll be in the middle of really hellish situations, and I can laugh. I can enjoy myself. And people around me will look at me like, you're nuts, man. And whatever pills you're taking, can I have one, please, and thank you? I mean, that's kind of weird to think like that. And obviously, I'm not you know, encouraging anything narcotic. I'm just saying joy will make you stand out. Because in the middle of a, a circumstance that's really destructive or frustrating or painful or hurtful, we can still walk in a, a freedom that we're not controlled by those circumstances. Even though we're affected temporarily by them, they don't set my identity at all. I remember a moment, and I've shared this before, so if you've heard it, just, just bear with me. But I remember a moment when joy won. And something just kind of broke in my brain. Uh, it was a really challenging time, very challenging time. It had been months and months. It was almost a full year. 
and the challenge was very financial. It was felt in, in incredible ways. And, and I remember getting a letter that had been printed on red paper saying that, you know, your property is going to be auctioned. And I looked at that letter and just saw the red paper and thought, is that supposed to scare me? <laughs> and it just something snapped in my brain and I realized that's really funny. And I started laughing. And I mean, the laughter was really powerful. I've, I've got to just say it was a little therapeutic, right? But I think there was something more than just some kind of like therapy going on or some kind of a breakdown. I really believe that joy won over a circumstance that was really dreadful. You know what? They never auctioned that property. God delivered us from the whole situation miraculously. It was really powerful and really great. That was a test. A test to see if my happiness or my joy in that situation would be controlled by some circumstance that's outside of my control. Who pulls my strings and pushes my buttons? Is it the Spirit of God? Am I a Spirit-led man? Or am I circumstantially driven? Am I driven by whatever letters in the mailbox or whatever phone call shows up on my phone, whatever thing happens at work? We're called to be sons and daughters of God, led by the Holy Spirit. It is the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, that's meant to be that motivating force, that Spirit that produces joy. So moving down the list here, we've got love and we've got joy. We're examining ourselves. Do we have these things in our life? I'll give you the, uh, the passage here that I want to give for joy. If I'm giving myself a joy test... I'll go to Proverbs, and, you know, these are not exclusive. You could find a number of passages of Scripture on joy, but I think this one really stands out. Proverbs 19, 19. I want to read it, and then I'll kind of explain why it made the test here. Proverbs 19, 19. You will make known to me the path of life, and in your presence is the fullness of joy, and your right hand's pleasure forever. Now, this passage of scripture is talking about God. Now, when I'm starting to search myself for joy, when I'm asking myself, when I'm testing myself, is the joy of the Lord in my life, I have to ask myself, do I like being in God's presence? Or do I hide from him? Does embarrassment or shame or, or some frustration or anger or bitterness, does something have me hiding from him or do I run to him? I want the joy of the Lord to be an active part of my life. And based on the passage of scripture we read out of Proverbs, it's in God's presence that there's fullness of joy. Not outside of his presence, in his presence. And so that's how I'll test myself there. I'll move on down the list here. You got love and you got joy. Now peace. Wow, peace is one that we all really need, right? I mean, there's a lot of things that will challenge your peace on any given day. Uh, peace is a, a wonderful and, and powerful thing. In fact, it's identified as, as the result of Jesus as king, right? I mean, one of his names is the Prince of Peace. Yeah. So the, the peace test, if we're looking for peace here, uh, I'll, I'll test myself with this out of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, I want to look at verses 6 and 7. Now remember, we're examining ourselves to see if the spirit of Jesus is active in our faith and our choices and decisions and feelings and in the words that we speak and the things that we do. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Be anxious for nothing, 
But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. A wonderful, powerful scripture, right? I mean, who doesn't want that? To have your, your heart and your mind guarded by Jesus from just having wild and anxious thoughts. There are times where I'll examine my thoughts and I'll ask myself, do you think that Jesus let that through? Do you think that that's something that, that if he were guarding your heart would be allowed to prevail? Thoughts of, of you know, anger or rage or, or thoughts of, of separation or divorce or, or thoughts of, of uh, uh, violence or, or lust? I don't think so. So you've got to ask yourself at some point, what is it that needs to be taking place? There's one word that stands out in this passage of Scripture that really is the word that I would think is the most important word as it concerns what we just read. I think this opens up the door for Jesus to be the guardian of your heart and your mind and for peace to prevail. And that one word is thanksgiving. Am I grateful? When I feel an absence of peace in my life, when I examine myself, I'm looking for gratitude. Is there an active display of gratitude in your life toward the things God's done on your behalf? Or have you begun to... to Lose sight of what all you have to be grateful for. How good you have it. Are you beginning to express frustration and complaint? Or can you say thank you? Gratitude opens up the door for peace to prevail. I can tell you it's hard to be grateful and anxious at the same time. They don't really work like that. And if you feel a flood of anxious thoughts or anxious feelings or sensations, the things that would try to touch and disturb your peace, respond to that with gratitude. And what's amazing about that is we always have access to gratitude. I don't always have access to solutions. There are things that I'm dealing with right now, and I don't know how I'm going to fix it. And if my ability to have peace were dependent upon me to having a plan in place in order to fix that challenge, I'm in trouble. And peace is going to be hard to come by. But praise God, thank you, Jesus, I always can be grateful. That's the power of the blood. It's the cross and the empty tomb. I am never without cause to be grateful. I can always say thank you. Thank you, Father, for delivering my life from death. Thank you for delivering my sons from death. Thank you for delivering my wife from death. Thank you for delivering this congregation from death. Thank you. And you let gratitude begin to prevail. And the next thing you know, peace. And your heart and your mind is guarded because you're reminded that if he paid the highest price to see me set free, surely he wouldn't allow me to come out here and suffer and die over this. It puts things in the proper perspective. It's a very important thing and necessary thing for us to have that perspective be founded on gratitude. I told you before we're going to find out how things need to end, right? That was one of the three things when we were getting going. You said you can write it down in your notes. There's a way things need to end when we're involved as Christians. We're going to find that here. Now, we've gone over love and joy and peace. Now we're, got to, we're going on to patience here. We've got to test ourselves for patience. And some of you are thinking, I don't even have to test myself, buddy. <laughs> That's a challenge, right? Uh, patience can be a real challenge. So here's the passage of Scripture, how things need to end. When you're involved at any time, how things need to end. Are you ready? Ecclesiastes 7, verse 8. 
Chapter 7, verse 8, Ecclesiastes. Here's how it reads. The end of a matter is better than its beginning. Patience of spirit is better than arrogance. Okay, again, we don't really talk like that, so I want to run it backwards, and I want it to to have more of a, a common vernacular here. So what I'm reading when I read this is I see like, hey, listen, don't be arrogant, but be patient. And the end of the matter will be better than the beginning. How are things supposed to end when I'm involved? They end better than they started. As Christians, when we put our hand to something, it should improve that situation. It should improve that scenario. It should improve whatever it is. It could be a relationship. It could be a task, a job. It could be anything. When we carry the anointing that we carry into that, it should have a profound impact that alters it in a very positive and productive way. The end of a matter should be better than its beginning. It's a wonderful thing to have attached to your life. Imagine going into any job interview and being able to write that down on your resume. Everything I touch improves. Whatever you put me in charge of is going to grow. It's going to expand. Whatever challenges you hand me, I will reduce the negative effects of that challenge and I will increase the positive. Because when you put something in my hands, the end will be better than the beginning. What an awesome guarantee. So I'll look at this in my own life when I'm examining myself for patience and I'll ask myself, when I'm getting involved, is it getting better or worse? If it's not getting better, then I know I need some more patience here. <laughs> I'm losing my cool. I'm, I'm, I'm not allowing things, the opportunity to, to heal or, or to move in a positive direction out of some you know, lack of patience or, or some uh, effort that's not in the direction that it's meant to go. And I need to have patience which means I'm going to have to trust that God is bigger than the problem or the situation, and I might have to wait for something to develop. And we're not real big fans of waiting most of the time. So we test ourselves for love. We test for joy and peace and patience. Now we're on to kindness. This is a personal struggle for me. My natural personality is, is to not be very kind. I mean, it's a, it's a real challenge. Now, that's a confession. I don't think that's something to brag about. It's, it's not good. It's very ugly. And the sad thing is, is that you can't be godly without being kind. And then when you look at what's derailed, when kindness is removed, it becomes very problematic. Here's the passage of Scripture if I'm testing myself as it concerns kindness. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Romans 2, 4. Remember, we're looking for kindness. We're testing ourselves for kindness. If we want to look for kindness, let's look for the results of kindness, okay? Romans 2.4. Don't think lightly, excuse me, the riches of God's kindness, the tolerance, the patience, but know that it's the kindness of God that leads you to repentance. When I'm looking for kindness in my life, when I'm examining myself to see if kindness is there, I'm not necessarily looking for, did you help an old lady cross the street? What I'm looking for is, is there the resulting repentance when you're involved in a situation? Whether that repentance is for one who needs uh, help or assistance and you're leading them out of that, or whether it's your own situation 
where you need to repent is the result of what you're dealing with, repentance. And I love the word repentance. I mean, it's a powerful thing. It's so far transcendent of an apology, right? By definition, the word repent, it means change. Change. I've given a lot of really bad apologies where nothing changed. Sorry I said that. And the next day, I'm sorry I said it again. And the day after that, I'm sorry I said it again. After a while, that gets pretty old. It becomes destructive. In fact, the scripture says that a matter repeated separates intimate friends. When stuff is on repeat like that, it becomes very, very destructive. We want to be a people that don't just get by on bad apologies, but rather we want the kindness of God to be in and through our lives so that we can actually repent and bring about change, change that will get us off the cycle of repeating the destructive things that bring about separation and make a way for unity. So we looked at love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. Now, goodness, goodness is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit, right? If the Spirit of Jesus Christ is active in us and through us and we test ourselves, we ought to find goodness. Here's a passage of scripture. I love this, and we've used it before talking about goodness, but it's one that I think is, is really worth putting in your notes this morning. Acts 10.38. Acts 10.38 is describing Jesus. Now keep in mind, you're called and anointed to be just like Jesus. If I'm testing myself for goodness, I can pull from this passage of scripture and ask, Do, does that describe my life? Acts 10.38 reads like this. It says, You know Jesus of Nazareth and how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power and how he went about doing good. Now here's the description of doing good. Healing all who were oppressed by the devil because God is with him. Man, I want that to describe my life. I hope that there are conversations where people are talking about the effect of my presence on this earth, and they could say, you know, Preston, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and then how he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. What a great way to be described. You realize all of the work that God's done on our behalf through the blood of Jesus and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit equips us to be described just like that, just like Jesus. Insert your name here. Goodness. Are those things in my life? Am I bringing about healing into situations where there's oppression? I can examine for that. I want my life to produce that effect. I don't want to exploit people's weakness or their suffering, but rather I want to help deliver them from it. Love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Now, faithfulness. Now, this one's uh, an uh, easy one as far as identifying what it means. Hard one when you begin to ask yourself, does that describe me? And you can keep it really simple, and I'll give you a passage of Scripture that'll do just that. If I'm checking uh, for faithfulness in my life, Deuteronomy 7, 9, it describes faithfulness. It's describing God, and it just talks about what that means, right? It, it reads like this. Uh, know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God. He's faithful. He is the faithful God who keeps his word. I just have to ask myself, do I do what I say I'll do? 
when I start to find that that's not happening, I, I have to realize that I'm not operating in the Spirit of God in this situation. Because the Spirit of Jesus Christ produces faithfulness. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Now we're to gentleness. God help me on this one. I'm a bit of a bull in the china closet most of the time. But this isn't just about being a rough individual. It's more about being rough with your words, with your thoughts. It's not just someone who kind of bumps into things or is a bit of a klutz. The idea of gentleness is about having such power and authority, but having it under control and using it appropriately in a way that's productive. I love that God's made us so powerful. I think that's fantastic. The question is, can we handle that power and that authority in and through our lives? When you read passages of scripture like life and death are in the tongue, we say that, but do we actually take the time to realize that that's a true statement written in the word of God that my words could hurt someone. I should be gentle when I speak. If I'm not careful, if I'm careless with those things, it could cut, it could wound, it could destroy things in the mind and in the heart that are very difficult to repair. You could set someone back so far by refusing to be gentle. Here's a gentleness test, right? I mean, this one is a kind of a favorite passage of mine, so I threw it in there because I'm just biased, okay? I don't know that it's going to translate to everyone here in the room, but if I'm looking for gentleness in my life, if I am looking to examine myself and test myself, and I'm wanting to see if the Holy Spirit is active in producing gentleness in and through my life, this is what I'll look for. It comes from Psalm 18.35. It says, uh, You've given me a shield of your salvation. And your right hand upholds me. This is talking about God. And then this last line, listen to this last one. And your gentleness makes me great. I, I'm blown away by that. The idea that this greatness would be the result not of, you know, power or authority or force, but gentleness. And I begin to ask myself, like in the relationships in my life, am I making people's lives greater? Do I see greatness as the result of my involvement in that fellowship? And if so, then gentleness is at work. If not, insert gentleness here. Greatness. Greatness meaning improvement. It's just getting better. I want my life to improve and get better. I want the life of my wife to improve and get better and my sons to improve and get better. I want those that I work with, those that I love, those that I'm close to, I want their lives to improve and get better. And if I look to God, whom I made in his image, and I begin to see what it is that brings greatness into the lives of those that he touches, it's gentleness. Why would it be any different for me then? gentleness. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And now to this last one here as we wind down, self-control. Kind of cringe on that one, huh? <laughs> like, well, self-control basically means you are in control, nothing else. Nothing is provoking you to move or lash out 
that you are making your choice and your decision based on your conviction. And for the believer, the one that's being led by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, that's the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding. Self-control. If I test myself for self-control, I don't look around to ask, am I being provoked? I got news for you. The answer is yes and a lot. Your life is filled with provocations. Things that aren't going right, people that bother you. I mean, there's all kinds of things. There's temptations. There's all kinds of things that are wanting to be in charge of your choices and your decisions, your attitudes, your words, your actions. It is trying to seize your will. There's no shortage of provocation, so I don't examine myself for provocation. I look for something specific. I'll give you the passage of Scripture here. Uh, Proverbs 16.32. Proverbs 16.32. It talks a little bit about uh, self-control, but it uses a different word. It talks about being in control of your spirit, being in control of your, you know, your temper, uh, your, your attitude. Here's how the passage reads, and then I'll, I'll break it down just slightly. It says, he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and the one that can rule his spirit is stronger than the one who can capture a city. That's how it reads. When I start to examine myself looking for self-control, I begin to look at the amount of anger in my life. Am I slow to it, or do I fire off in an instant? If somebody provokes me, is it... Bang, right there. Can I control that? Can I temper that? Can I put it in its proper place so that I'm not being led by situation and circumstance, but I'm being led by the Spirit of God? And as we begin to examine ourselves to see the presence of, you know, a hot temper or not being slow to anger, but firing off very rapidly, we can see the need for self-control, the need to surrender to the Spirit of God, be led by Him, not be led by our impulse or our feelings or thoughts or our frustrations or disappointments, hurts or wounds or whatever other negative thing would love to control your attitude and your actions. But to be led by Jesus. I told you we we're going to find out the results of passing the test, okay? Remember, we're examining ourselves. This is the point. This was the, the call from the very beginning, was that we're called to examine ourselves, to test ourselves, to make sure that, that we are, you know, being led by Jesus. That's what we read in 2 Corinthians 13. I want to show you the result of, of passing these tests, and it comes from 1 Peter. If you have uh, your Bible, you can turn there, 1 Peter. I want to look at chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 6 through 9. It's going to be a little bit of a mouthful, and I'm going to paraphrase some of it because the way it's written is, is just going to, we're going to lose some of the content if we're not careful. And I don't want to lose that. I want to make sure that we hit here. Beginning in verse 6, 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 6, it opens up like this. In this you greatly rejoice that even though for a little while, by necessity, you've been distressed with various tests distressed with various tests, and then it says, so that. So that means, like, this is why the tests exist. You've been distressed with various tests so that your faith can be proved. So that your faith can be proved. These tests are revealing to us that we're either following Jesus or we're not. It's a gift, almost like road signs or street signs can keep you from being lost. You know where you're going, all because there's a reminder you're doing, you're on your way, you're on your way, you're almost there, you're almost there. 
And for you and for I, when we have these tests in our lives, these are revealing of where our faith lies, what we trust in. Do we trust in Jesus or do we trust in other things? Whether it's our own strength or ability or whether it's you know, money or something else that will leave you disappointed in the end. And as these things are being revealed, it's for our benefit. When you get down to verse 9, you begin to see something really incredible. You see the results of what this means to pass this test. And it says that when this test is passed, right, when these things are handled and we are following in Jesus and we are operating in the Holy Spirit and we are passing these tests by producing the love and the joy and the peace and the patience and the kindness and the goodness and the faithfulness, the gentleness, the self-control, when that's the result, this is the outcome. The outcome is the salvation of your soul. That's how, it, that's how it reads in verse 9, the salvation of your soul. And don't think of that now as something like your name being written in the Lamb's book of life. Okay? That's being born again. Now the salvation of your soul is this delivering work, this, this wonderful victorious work that's happening in your soul, which is the realm of the mind, like where your will and your emotions and your intelligence and all those things that make you, you are. Every time we pass one of these tests, we're improving who we are. Our, our, we're getting set free from garbage and nonsense that would hold us back, and we're being released into a more productive and fruitful way of life through the wonderful healing ministry, ministering power of the Holy Spirit in our minds, working in our soul, setting us free from corruption and releasing us into that which is powerful and effective, the very Spirit of God himself. It's a wonderful thing to consider, and I want to look at this as we close, that this passage of Scripture that we just read about uh, these distressing tests, that word stood out to me, and I, I thought, what an interesting word. I mean, I know what it's like to have stress. You would think that, like, stress is bad and distress is good. <laughs> Sounds like it should be the opposite of stress. It's not. Distress is nasty business. I thought, I want to look at that. I want to know what that is. If I look up the word distress, that these tests produce this distress, what would that mean in my life so that I'll know if I'm suffering distress? So that I can identify one of these tests where I need to pass, I need to produce the love, the, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the gentleness, the self-control. I need to see those things produced by surrendering to the leading of the Holy Spirit. So I have to ask myself, what would it mean for me to be distressed? By definition, if you just look it up, I mean, like, we're not talking about going into a deep dive or going to the library. We're talking about Google, right? First thing that pops up. Distress. It starts off with the word extreme. Extreme anxiety, sorrow, or pain. That's distress. And now I have to ask myself something. God, why would you allow anything that is extreme in anxiety, sorrow, or pain to touch my life? except that it's so valuable and important to see my mind renewed 
that these things are so necessary to purge all that bad thinking out with every victory, with every breakthrough, with every redeeming work of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, I become less like Preston Humphreys and more like Jesus Christ. Amen. And if that's the refining fire that it takes to purge out all of those impurities, then light the fire. And that's the love and the affection that God has for us, that he wouldn't leave us in our own filth, but that he would redeem us. And this redeeming work is happening through all of this testing that opens up the door for us to grow and mature and get stronger and better with every single challenge that we face. Now the question is, will we test ourselves? Father, in this challenge, will you open up my heart to surrender to your spirit that I might produce the love by following him? that's necessary to see to it that this is a victory. The joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, everything that's of the spirit of Jesus, let it rise and flow out of me onto all of those around me so that the results will be godly, life-giving, fruitful, and productive. I wanna ask you to stand with me this morning. I wanna pray over us. The prayer is going to be really simple. I mean, these are the things that we're meant to examine ourselves for. So I think it would be uh, very fitting to pray and ask that these things be magnified in and through our lives. But here's the prayer. It's one thing to just simply recite a, a prayer. It's another thing to actually surrender to it. Now, I want to pray for us collectively. And I say us because I, I put myself right in line there. But I want to ask that if there's anything that you would have heard this morning that you think is God speaking to you about your life, that you find some way to surrender. You might even just whisper to God right where you're at. God, I, I need that. I want that. I don't want to resist that. Show me what needs to happen in my life for that to be a reality for me. There's no greater minister in the room than the Holy Spirit. And he's here aware of every one of our needs to minister to us in a really wonderful and powerful way. So I want to pray, and you're welcome to be in an attitude of receiving or agreement, however you choose to participate. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth. We desire to be equipped to examine ourselves. That we would surrender to your spirit. That we wouldn't turn our eyes to look at those around us, but that we would begin to examine our own lives. To see what's produced with our words and our actions. And let us not be deceived, but let it be sincere. That we would be willing to grow and mature in every area that's needed. That there would be no arrogance that we would just declare ourselves healthy, but that we would surrender to the great physician to come and bring health into our lives. The Holy Spirit prevail in our hearts and our minds, even now, that we would begin to examine ourselves, that we would make way for the Spirit of Jesus Christ to lead and guide us in all that we would face and do. And let all the fruits of your Spirit be magnified in and through our lives. There be a way made for love to prevail for joy to be in abundance and peace to be
be poured out through our words and actions to those around us. Let's be a patient people, filled with kindness and goodness. Let there be faithfulness and gentleness. Let self-control prevail, that we wouldn't be led by circumstances or situations. We wouldn't be tossed around by the wind and the waves, but that we would have a firm foundation in Jesus. That we wouldn't be given to the horrors of reacting to the world around us, but that we would be equipped to respond with a calculated response, empowered by the Holy Spirit that would destroy the works of the devil and expand your kingdom with every word and every action we perform. Let old ways, learned behaviors, habits, the results of wounds and rejections and hurts, let all those things bow down to the truth that you have bought and paid for us, you love us, that you have shed the blood of your own son Jesus that we might be redeemed. And let that fresh new identity and awareness of your love and affection for us make way for new beginnings. That a new measure would be issued in how we deal with the things in this world. And let us be transformed. That old things would pass away. And the new things of your spirit would come. Let them prevail and be revealed not only to us but through us to all of those around us. And be honored and glorified. As the fruit of the Holy Spirit is released through our lives. We bless your name and we thank you for this wonderful gift in Jesus' name. And all the saints declare, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at championschurch.com.